Hey there, this is episode 399 of the Keto Diet Podcast. I'm so happy to see that you're hanging out with us today. We have a real special guest today. Her name is Andrea Jones. She's a registered nurse, a functional hormone coach, and life coach. She works with women all over the world to balance their hormones by addressing root causes, keeping them stuck. Andrea and I connected on Instagram quite some time ago. We started finishing each other's sentences and I was like, girl, you need to just come on the podcast so we can hang out. She's put together a quick start guide on mood swings. And so if you want to grab that, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash Andrea. I set up that URL for her so that we could give you guys that freebie. So again, that's healthfulpursuit.com slash Andrea. And as always, if you have questions about today's episode, you can go to healthfulpursuit.com slash contact and ask me. Also, if throughout today's episode, you're like, who is this Andrea chick? I want to know her. She seems so awesome. You can connect with her on Instagram at Abundant Wellness with Andrea. Okay, so today's topics, we're going to be going through the medications recommended instead of balancing your hormones like antidepressants, anti-anxiety medications, birth control, how to know if this is the right next step, how to know if it's not the right next step for us in our hormone journey, why trauma can stop you from achieving hormone health, the importance of a healthy liver for hormone balance, symptoms of healthy or unhealthy menstrual cycle, the biggest thing that affects our period, how to best test your hormones, and really understanding the role that adrenals have in regulating our hormones, especially that little DHEA hormone. If you haven't tested it, you're going to learn all about it today. I cannot wait to share this episode with you. So let's just get to it. Hey, I'm Leanne Vogel. You're listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. I've created a free guide with tips on how to start keto and maintain your fat-fueled life. Grab it at healthfulpursuit.com slash free as a little thank you for listening to the show. Hey, Andrea, how are you? Good. It's so good to be on here with you today, Leanne. Yeah, we have been talking on Instagram for quite some time. I love the work that you're doing. And we've been going back and forth on thoughts and ideas and all the things. And we're so aligned in so many different things. So I'm so excited to have you on to share your brilliance with the world. Oh, thank you. Well, it's it is so fun because I've been following you forever, I feel like, since I think it was like 2015. And so, you know, I'm a I'm a huge fan of yours, and so it's just really fun to see you continuing to serve, you know, the way that you do and and getting to participate in that with you. Oh, that's awesome. Well, I already said your official bio, but I would love for you in a couple of words to share with us who you are. Yeah. So, so my name's Andrea, obviously I am a registered nurse. I have my bachelor's of science in nursing. I'm a nurse educator and I now work primarily online um, with women to balance their hormones naturally. So more of a functional medicine approach instead of a conventional medicine approach. What was that like? Like, Did you start off knowing you were going to do a functional medicine approach or was there this moment where you realized what you were doing wasn't working? What was that transition like for you? Oh man, that was like the transition of my career. I feel like, so no, I definitely did not go into nursing thinking, oh, one day, you know, you'll start your own business and totally, you know, off the beaten path. And no, it was, you know, I very much 
knew that I wanted to be a registered nurse. I knew that I wanted to do pediatric nursing and got my dream job in pediatric nursing at an inner city hospital, which seems like a far cry from what I'm doing right now, right? But really, it was actually after my first daughter was born about 11 years ago that my hormones completely just went dumpster fire crazy. I mean, those of you listening, you know what that's like. My periods were horrible. They'd always been super heavy and painful, but it was like that on steroids. My mood swings were off the charts. I was having like premenstrual rage, insomnia, irritability, and anxiety. And for me, the turning point was really being failed by the medical system. And I know that that sounds like a strong word, but as somebody who was trained in conventional medicine, I fully expected like to get the help that I needed from, you know, from my realm, quote unquote, of medicine. And when I went to my doctor, she's like, well, it's, it's not postpartum depression because your baby's too old now. And so we probably just need to put you on anti-anxiety medication. And I'm like, you don't understand, like, this is all related to my cycle. There has to be something going on with my hormones. They did blood testing. And of course, everything came back normal, right? And so really, I ended up being like, well, I can't continue to live this way. I ended up having to quit my job because I couldn't work while struggling with the insomnia and the the level of anxiety that I was having. Found a practitioner, a functional medicine doctor who specialized in hormones. And he kind of like, you know, helped put Humpty Dumpty together again, piece by piece. And so that was really what opened me up to this whole other realm of medicine that really had been there far before conventional medicine, right? I just didn't know about it. And so that's really what led to laying this kind of new foundation for me, um, for our family, how we take care of ourselves, um, and eventually what what led me to starting the, the hormone program that I run now. Wow. Wow. I... So you work with clients one-on-one right now, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. How many of your clients has have a similar story of you of going to your doctor and then they recommend antidepressant, anti-anxiety medication? What are you seeing in your client base with that? Pretty much all of them. I mean, usually by the time they get to me, they've tried everything else. And I, I think that's probably similar to your client base. I feel like a lot of times before women actually are willing to, I don't even want to say willing, that's not really the right word. Realize that there's a different opportunity for them. It's after we've exhausted all of our efforts, right? And, you know, we want to work with insurance. We want to do all of those things, but we're just not getting the help that we need, or even just the explanation of what's happening in our bodies. I think that's a big part of it. And so I would say every single woman that I talk to has been really just beating a dead horse, trying to get help, you know, and not getting the answers that they need from their provider and either being told they need to be on birth control or hormone replacement therapy or antidepressants. And they either have tried that and it hasn't worked for them, or they know that that's not really the issue. And so they're just like, well, I guess I'm just going to have to suffer with this. I found my new favorite snack and it's here to stay. House of Macadamia's seasoned macadamia nuts. They're like chips without the carbs, like seriously. The first time I had a bag of their onion flavored macadamias, I was floored. Macadamias, sea salt, onion powder, garlic powder, parsley, that's it. Simple, delicious, and their chocolate dipped macadamias. 
no words. Well, actually, I do have a few words. Low carb, high fat, antioxidant rich. I'm just salivating thinking of them right now, but sadly, I had my last bag yesterday, but I have a coupon code that I'll be using for my next order, and you can use it too. I'll share it with you in just a second. Why macadamias? Why not other nuts? Well, macadamias are loaded with monounsaturated fat, more than olive oil, 27% less carbs than almonds, 50% less carbs than cashews. Their nutrient profile is keto, like perfectly keto. And house of macadamias aren't the run-of-the-mill macadamia nut. I used to get mine from Costco, but not anymore. You can tell the quality behind house of macadamia products, selecting only the best of the best nuts sourced from over 90 independent farms produced in rich soil with clean mountain water and mild temperatures. Okay, for that coupon code, visit houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and use the coupon code KDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. Once more, that's houseofmacadamias.com slash KDP and use the coupon code KDP20 for 20% off your first purchase. Enjoy. It's so disappointing. <laughs> it really it's, is. Yeah. It's probably, it's right up there with when I see a pattern in a client's blood work and I'm like, we really should get your liver imaged. Like I really, really suggest we do imaging for the liver. I'm just picking one because it just happened the other day and they go to their doctor and the doctor's like, no, no, I will not do that. And it's like, oh my gosh, ah, it's so, it's so painful. It's so frustrating. I know we've talked about this on the podcast so many times and it's just, um, it's so sad that this is happening. What was it? I guess what you've already touched on this a little bit of it's usually that we've exhausted every option. I had to get there also before I was like, okay, I'm just going to have to figure this out myself. What was that like for you? And maybe some of your clients, you've noticed it also you ended up not going on that anti-anxiety medication, correct? Like had you done your research and just decided, "Mm, I'm not going to go that route? Or what was that process like where you were like, wait, there has to be another way. And what are you seeing with your clients with that same process that may not be medically inclined? Yeah. So for me, I had struggled with like clinical anxiety before. And so I knew the difference. Like I knew that what I was feeling in my body was not the same. You know, I'm like, I'm waking up six o'clock sharp every morning, having a panic attack, like woken up out of a dead sleep. This is not like, to me, that was physiological. There was something happening with my circadian rhythm that was throwing me into anxiety attacks. It wasn't physiological or I'm sorry, psychological in my mind. I, I could tell that there was a distinct difference and, you know, but the bummer part was that because of my history with anxiety, they would look at my chart and be like, well, you have a history of anxiety. So this just makes sense. And I'm like, no, you don't understand. I know my body, this is different. And it was very scary because for a short period of time, I did have to go on some benzos, basically benzodiazepines, which are very, very heavy anti-anxiety medication. So I had a nursing infant at the time and I'm already a lightweight when it comes to medication as it is, but I was very concerned about how that might be passing through the breast milk. I knew that it was not a long-term solution. 
I knew that the issue was not rooted in my psychology, for lack of a better way of explaining it. And so I just didn't know yet what the answer would be. Um, and that there was something that was equally, if not more beneficial for me out there. And I think that's where so many women are. They're in that like space in between, right? Where they're like, I know this isn't quite it. Like this isn't where I want to go. This hasn't helped me before. This doesn't really seem to be the problem, but I don't fully know what else there is. And that space in between is really the gap that conventional medicine is not filling. They're not bridging that gap for people. And it's leaving a whole bunch of people falling through the cracks, right? And not getting the help that they need. Yes, completely, completely. So before we kind of get into root causes and periods and a little bit deeper into what, what we're working with here when it comes to hormones, I'm sure everyone would love to know what was the problem with your hormones? Why were you waking up? Did you figure out kind of what hormones were, were causing those anxiety attacks? Did you kind of figure out what was at the root of that? Yeah. So there were actually a couple different things. And thankfully, you know, the naturopath that I was working with at the time, he didn't make me do any further lab testing, which I'm super grateful for because I'd already like basically pulled teeth at my doctor's office to get them to do any labs. So he just took all of that and basically took the clinical assessment and said, okay, we're going to start really gently with you because I had kind of a complex picture. I had complex or sorry, undiagnosed complex PTSD and the birth of my daughter kind of triggered a lot of stuff that I had not dealt with yet. So there was that emotional component to it. But then there was also the fact that my adrenals were severely burnt out because my dad had passed away from brain cancer. And so he'd been going through treatment the whole time I was pregnant and then passed away when my daughter was about five weeks old. And so I had multiple compounding factors, which I would say, is true for the majority of women, right? It's never just Lyme disease. It's never just parasites. It's never just adrenal issues, right? It's There's all of these different layers and facets. So for me, it was really looking at why were my adrenal glands reacting the way that they were? How could I get my nervous system out of that fight or flight place? Which for me personally was actually kind of a three-pronged approach. And part of that was getting some homeopathics on board that were going to help kind of calm my nervous system down. The other aspect of that was getting in therapy because there was some very real valid stuff that I, I really just needed to work through. And then once my nervous system was calmed down a little bit, then we could start working on the hormone aspect of why a lot of those symptoms were getting so much worse right before my period. Does that make sense? It totally does. And I'm so sorry for your loss in, in oh, conjunction you. with giving birth. And, and you touched on it so beautifully of just trauma. You know, you said it's never just Lyme. It's never just parasites. It's never just your diet. It's never just those macros. It's life isn't happening in a vacuum. There are all these pieces that are joining together. I'm sure you're asked the same question. People come to me and say, well, what's the one thing, like, what's the one thing that's causing this issue? Like, what's my root? cause. And I'm like, 
I, how much time do you have? Because it's like multiple things compounding and you, you can't just eat right. You can't just take supplements. You need to be looking at your lifestyle factors and how you process things. And you need a good therapist. Most of us do. And so, yep. yeah, I Absolutely. love, love, love that you touched on that. I love that you touched on that. So my next question was really about whether or not you believe that hormone work is at the root cause of an issue. And you kind of touched on that already of like your adrenals were shot, your trauma processing needed to be supported and you couldn't even address the hormone stuff until you got all these other pieces in line. Do you see that also clinically with people that though you think that their estrogen might be wonky or their DHEA is low or the progesterone needs support, um, but they're not ready for that work or what do you, what, how do you approach that clinically? Yeah, that's actually a really good question. So I would say it's somewhat of a case by case basis. So I kind of do the maximum that they will tolerate, I guess, for lack of a better word, the maximum that they will, their body can handle without throwing it further out of balance, because really the goal is homeostasis, right? The goal is healing in the body. And the reality is, is that we do not heal well when we are under stress. And so like I tell the women in the happy hormones program, if, you know, if I teach you here's the foods that you need to be eating to support your liver. Here's the things we need to be doing to support liver detoxification and gut health and all of that stuff. But you're not addressing like the chronic mindset issues and the chronic stress issues in your life. We're only going to see about 75% improvement. Like I can teach you all of those things, but the harder stuff to get to is the life stuff that's out of the vacuum. Right. And so for a lot of them, it's really listening to where they're at and saying, okay, how can I get them from here to there? And for them, maybe that first step is they do need to be in therapy for a little bit before we get started on doing detoxification, because I don't know about you, but when you're in like a, you know, a PTSD trauma flare, the last thing you want to be dealing with is detox symptoms, right? That's not fun. And so, so it's really just being mindful of where they're at, their life story, and, you know, gently nudging their body in the right direction and giving them some of those building blocks to move on or build on without throwing things further out of balance. Did that answer the question? Yes, it completely did. And something, so I've been studying hair tissue mineral analysis, which for the longest time I thought was quackery. I was like, there's no way that this stuff actually works, but I've started using it and I found a really good lab that I really like. And there's actually a pattern. Well, first off, the patterns in the HTMA can beautifully reflect what's in the blood. So this just blows my mind. And also there's a pattern called calcium shell, which develops when people have experienced traumas, where the body literally down-regulates, blows out your calcium, affects the thyroid, and it's all due to trauma. And there's tissue calcification throughout the body, and it throws off the thyroid, which, as we know, will throw off basically everything and will feel terrible, and it's all due to trauma. And so that it's is wild. Really, isn't it crazy? Yeah. So, you know, I always, I'm always one to say, okay, I swallowed my words there. I yeah. was too quick. <laughs> I was too quick to judge the age HTMA without understanding it. But yeah, you're so right. When the body's not ready, oftentimes too, if I'm detoxing a client and maybe they haven't been upfront about kind of what their life is looking like and we'll go through a detox protocol and they'll say everything is fine, that their life is good and we'll go in depth with questions and everything's good. And then they'll come back to me and their liver is 
clearly stagnant, like all the symptoms of anxiety and overwhelm and bouts of anger and like, what's going on there? And then we start talking through it a little bit more and the liver will just stop the detox process. It'll be like, nope, no, we're not doing this. We're not, I'm not ready for this. I'm not doing this. So yeah, the body is brilliant and will rule the show often. Absolutely. Well, and I don't know about you, but I have also seen within that it's almost like things that we don't know are there, like emotionally will come out during that liver detoxification. So anger, you know, repressed anger is a big one, especially for women, you know, things that we haven't been allowed to process or maybe haven't been safe for us to process, you know, emotional triggers, things like that. And they tend to not be, I would say, necessarily re-traumatizing for people, but it does come out and it's like, Hey, let's look at this as an opportunity that the body is saying, Hey, let's heal from this because we can't suppress it any longer. So let me hold your hand and we'll walk through that, you know, and this too shall pass, but we're going to take that as a sign that your body needs to get rid of some stuff. So super fascinating. It kind of works both ways. Exactly. Totally true. So you mentioned a little bit about the certain types of foods that you're recommending in your program to do with liver support. What does liver support have to do with hormone dysregulation? Everything, literally everything. And I know people, you know, they, at least my clients, they, they get sick of hearing me talk about the liver because it's like the liver runs the show, but it really does play a huge role in hormone balancing for women for many, many reasons, primarily because the liver, you know, plays a huge role in, in its ability to metabolize estrogen. So, you know, we need our liver to be metabolizing estrogen through three primary pathways. And if one or all of those pathways is struggling due to, you know, methylation issues or estrogen dominance, meaning that we're getting all of these xenoestrogens from our environment and our body just can't process or filter it fast enough, then it's going to cause, it's going to back up in the body and it's going to cause estrogen dominance which then will cause our progesterone to be chronically low. And a lot of people don't actually realize that, that if your doctor is telling you that you have low progesterone, nine times out of 10, the issue is actually your liver is not clearing out estrogen properly. So that's the first thing, but it's also responsible for regulating our cortisol, regulating our blood sugar metabolism, vitamin D synthesis. There's a lot that the liver does in regulating our hormones. And so that's why that's one of the very first things that we focus on in getting things moving for women is getting their body clearing out estrogen and getting those liver pathways functioning the way that they should be. Yes, completely. There's this ongoing trend on social media. In fact, I've I've had somebody on the show chat about liver and say, there's no way that the liver could be dysregulated. The liver is a detoxifying organ. You don't need to force detoxification. That's the liver's role. And recently I've just thought like, but we believe that the thyroid can be messed up. You know, like we believe in Addison's disease. We believe in, you know, Hashimoto's. We believe in, you know, ovarian dysfunctions. But, but yet we don't believe that the liver could be messed up at all. It just doesn't compute. (laughs) Well, and even clinically, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense because when we look at, you know, something like the Dutch hormone panel, we can see very clearly like where the liver is messed up. Now it's not going to show us on a liver function test, right? Like a serum LFT, it's not going to typically show up on there because we're looking for two different things, but on a Dutch hormone panel, it will be able to tell. 
pretty quickly, like if the liver's doing its job or not. So that's super interesting. I would have seen that and been like, no, I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Stop, stop the madness. Okay. So we talked a tiny, tiny, tiny bit about periods when you were mentioning some of your symptoms and the period situation. What's the purpose of a menstrual cycle? Uh, Because I think a lot of women, one, think that we're on a menstrual cycle when we're on the hormonal birth control. um, And two, don't really love the whole menstrual cycle thing. So what's like the point? What's the point of it? What is the point of the menstrual cycle? That's a really good question. So, you know, as women, and I think honestly, a lot of this is kind of a cultural issue in that we, at least our generation, women in our thirties to forties, we were kind of the birth control generation, right? So we were raised that every ailment regarding our periods could be treated with birth control. Heavy periods, take birth control. If you've got mood swings, take birth control. If you have scanty periods, take birth control. And not only does that totally dysregulate the brain connection to our hormones, but it's simply just not, honestly, I I feel like what it's contributed to is this mistrust of our own bodies. Like we can't trust the way that our body was built and made to function. So the purpose of a reproductive cycle is to facilitate, you know, the, I don't want to say rotation, that's not quite the word, the shifts in our hormones that they actually carry out many different processes in the body besides just a menstrual cycle. So we kind of have to look at it backwards, if that makes sense. The menstrual cycle is the fruit or the outcome of a healthy process happening overall in the body. So if we are not having a healthy menstrual cycle, you know, like a five day, non-heavy, non-crampy, non-painful period, if that is the fruit that we're seeing at the end of our month, then we know that everything else in our body for the most part is going to be working pretty optimally to get us to that point. So there's a lot of other reasons why our body has that cycle, though, where we are creating different neurotransmitters at different times throughout the month that are op- optimal for, for our brain, for our libido. You know, if we're talking about the purpose of, you know, throughout the menstrual cycle, the purpose of those changing hormones around ovulation is obviously to increase fertility, right? So there's different functions, I would say, at different times throughout the cycle besides just having a period. Does that make sense? Totally. It does. I love the idea and how you describe the fruit at the end of the cycle. I think a lot of us don't think about the actions that we've done before leading up to the cycle that we've just had. So I really love how you describe that. And what you really touched on part of my next question was really about how do we know that we have a healthy period? Well, you said if it's around five days, not heavy, not painful, how we know we have an unhealthy period then is longer or shorter than five days, I would assume, pretty heavy and super painful. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. And I did forget to mention, you know, our periods really should be mood free. Like they really should be. And I know that people think I'm crazy when I say that. I thought my doctor was crazy when he's like, you know, you really shouldn't have, you really shouldn't be dealing with mood swings. And I was like, bro, what are you even talking about? First of all, you're a dude. So what do you know about this? Second of all, you know, and again, that was one of those eat my words type of situation, but I'd been dealing with mood swings literally since my first menstrual cycle. So I just didn't know 
I didn't know that you didn't have to suffer from that, but really it's like, we should be fairly even keel. Now, if you're having like a half a day of feeling a little bit moody or weepy, not a big deal. But for most of the women that I talk to, it's a good seven to 10 days before their cycle that they don't feel like themselves. So that's a pretty marked difference. That is a pretty big concern. And so when I'm talking to people and I'm like, Hey, how's your period? They'll say, Oh, my period's fine. But my moods beforehand are just awful then, you know, that's reason enough. That one symptom alone is reason enough to start working on the root causes because you don't have to have, you know, a heavy, painful, crampy period to still have issues around your cycle. Maybe you've heard of all the amazing things that apple cider vinegar can do for you. If you have not, let's review. It can balance healthy blood sugar, banish cravings, and encourage fat loss. It can improve protein absorption and digestion by helping you break down animal protein so you can use those nutrients more effectively. It can help you stabilize healthy blood sugar, which helps improve energy and mood and aid in the healthful aging process. Has been shown to lower morning glucose, fasting glucose, and help stabilize blood sugar by increasing the ability of our muscles to take up sugar from our blood. Okay, so you could just go to your pantry and chug some apple cider vinegar. No, 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 don't do it. It'll burn your esophagus. <laughs> so you always have to mix it with water. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, but when I have a liquid supplement, I will nine times out of 10 forget to take the stuff. And that's why I love Paleo Valley's apple cider vinegar complex, because not only does it have apple cider vinegar, but it also has turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, lemon, all organic ingredients to further support all the benefits of apple cider vinegar and more. If you are encouraged to take the stuff and you just don't think that you'll drink the liquid, you can head on over to paleovalley.com and load up on a couple of bottles of apple cider vinegar complex and whatever else that catches your eyes. I personally love the superfood bars. They're just amazing. Enter the code keto at checkout to receive 15% off your first order. Again, that's paleovalley.com and use the code keto at checkout for 15% off your first order. Completely. And so you touched on it a little bit, those root causes and liver is probably part of that because we've already touched on this. But if a woman maybe listening who just had a period, it wasn't the best. You know, if we just talked about signs of an unhealthy period, it wasn't great. What are some of the things that they could have done differently in, in a month leading up to that cycle? Like we've already talked about the liver piece. Are there other key things like big picture things that if you're doing this on a daily basis, chances are you're not going to have the best cycle. Yeah, that's a really good question. So I'm like, do we start with the long list or the short list? Um, no. So, cause there can be kind of a long list, but I'll keep it simple just because we all need like simple, practical, right? Steps. So the biggest thing I would say is, you know, number one, if you're not hydrated, there's no way to flush things out. Your liver is going to have a really hard time doing its job of detoxifying if we're not adequately hydrated. And by hydrated, I don't just mean free water. I mean, like we need minerals in there too. So, so making sure you're getting that adequate mineral balance in there as well, getting rid of those like inflammatory foods like sugar and, and those really unhealthy fats. So that's a big one. And it's a hard, I think it's a hard kind of mental switch for us as women to have to go from, you know, birth control and pharmaceuticals fix everything to, Oh, there's actually things I can do 
in my diet that are going to help me to have a better period, right? So especially during this time of the year when it's kind of like sweets are presented everywhere, you know, and it's harder to make the the right quote unquote choices with our diet, but getting rid of those inflammatory foods. So that's a big one. Dairy is another big trigger for a lot of people. So if you tend to have like painful periods, crampy periods, breast tenderness before your cycle, dairy can be a very play a pretty big role in that, not just from an inflammatory perspective, but because of how how it interacts with our estrogen receptors. So really paying attention to, you know, am I getting a lot of those inflammatory foods in my diet and a simple way to kind of really just observe that for yourself is just by keeping a simple food journal. So without any judgment, it's literally just, you know, I'm just writing down the foods that I eat and how I felt and how my period was. And that's going to give you a pretty good indicator for like, gosh, when I eat a lot of this foods, uh, these foods, this is how my periods behave. Does that make sense? Yep. Completely. And what I want to kind of delve into is the whole water situation. So like, is tap water okay? I don't know, Leanne. Is tap water okay? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like you have the answer to that. Um, Yeah, I definitely do. Tap water is not okay. So I would say the number one thing that I suggest everyone do is clean up their water. Like this is by far the most important thing when it comes to literally anything to do with your health is the water you're drinking. Like we need so much of it. It's required for everything that your body does. It needs to be on point. And what I see a lot of times is we're listening to podcasts. We're like, oh yeah, I want that Paleo Valley supplement or I want the magnesium breakthrough. Yet we're still drinking tap water in our plastic bottles. So let's kind of go back to basics, understanding that filtration is super important. Tap water glorified equals fridge water. That is basically the same thing. It's not good enough at all. Like, don't bother with that. There's likely going to be mold stuff in there too, because they're not cleaned properly. So some sort of filtration system Berkey, not my ultimate favorite, but pretty good. My personal favorite, since you were talking about minerals and adding minerals back into water, distilled water, without a doubt, hydrates better than any water that I've seen clinically in blood work. And so if people can't hydrate, and you know those people that they're just thirsty all the time and they just can't get enough water, distilled water with minerals, wait two weeks and you'll feel like a brand new human. So Amazing. I wanted to touch on the water piece. <laughs> no, that's good. I was like, I feel like you already know the answer to this one. So yeah. that's good because you you answered that way better than I can. But it is it is very true. And it's one of those things that when we're calculating the cost of our health, I feel like we're always kind of mentally budgeting, right? Like, can I afford this? Or can I you know, do X, Y, and Z? Or if we're having to make a choice between A and B. And I think you actually, you do a really good job of actually helping people to make those decisions, not forcing them to make a decision, but like, Hey, if you have to choose, these are the two best options, you know? And I personally found that really helpful because we don't always have that endless like budget to do all the things, but it's important to know what our choices, the choices that are available to us within the budget that we have. Oh, completely budget really, really, really needs to play a role. And I 
I would be so bold to say that if you are taking any form of supplementation or, you know, have a gym membership or any of those things, get a massage once a month. I really feel like water is more important than any of those things. And I stand behind that pretty firmly of just like, if you have a couple hundred dollars a month to spend on all these different things you're doing for your health, then you have money to save, to set aside, to work on the water situation in your home. Absolutely. I've become quite passionate about this over time because it's just such a key component to our health. Okay, let's talk about some of the common hormone imbalances. You mentioned estrogen dominance, for example. What are some of the signs and symptoms of these various imbalances? And does it really matter which one we have so much as just we have a hormone issue? Yeah, I think it definitely does matter that we understand how our body is behaving and what our symptoms are telling us. So when we're looking at estrogen dominance, what we typically see, you know, from a symptom standpoint, I'm not talking about blood work because serum blood work is notoriously awful at detecting estrogen dominance. But typically what we see is, you know, breast tenderness before your cycle. Menstrual migraines is a huge indicator of estrogen dominance. Mood swings, irritability before your period, that's another indicator. Painful, heavy periods and endometriosis. Those are all big indicators that there's some pretty big issues with the liver not metabolizing estrogen appropriately, which of course then is going to typically what we see cause that chronically low progesterone. And so when we have a low progesterone pattern, which for most women, we kind of see both is with low progesterone, what we typically see is a low libido, obviously difficulty getting and staying pregnant is a pretty big, pretty big issue with that. And then mood swings before your cycle. So that's going to, you know, play out into how your cycle goes. So really understanding, you know, what is my symptom pattern telling me can give us some key indicators as far as where we would start working with you on getting those hormones balanced. Completely. Now you you did mention that blood work is terrible at detecting estrogen dominance. I would agree with you. In fact, I did. I Sometimes I have total geek clients just like me that want to do multiple tests at the same time and kind of understand what's saying what and all those things. And so oftentimes I'll have a client that wants to do a hormone panel via blood and then a hormone panel via Dutch, which is a dried urine testing. And we can kind of compare them and look through it. And I had a client that on Dutch had a severe estrogen dominance, yep. but on blood, nothing wrong. Yep. Nothing wrong. So yeah. you're seeing that too. And oh, what, yeah. what are you using instead? So I use primarily the Dutch hormone panel for that same exact reason. So most of the women that come to me, they've either previously had serum blood work done and it came back as like, nothing's wrong with me, but I'm seeing all of these symptoms of, you know, pretty significant estrogen dominance. And so I personally love the Dutch hormone panel because it tells us a whole lot more about the relationships and the patterns between the hormones, not just these like flat numbers, you know, they're really dynamic. And so we need to be looking at the hormones as a dynamic moving piece. And I do feel like the Dutch hormone panel gives us a pretty decent glimpse into that. And occasionally, very occasionally, if we need to dig in a little bit deeper, like if there's some like indicators of chronic low lying 
inflammation somewhere and it's not super clear where it's coming from, then I will do something like the GI map. Sorry, I just, my brain just fell out of my head for a second there. The GI map to give us some more like, okay, tell me more what's going on with the inflammation piece that's going on in the body. That can really help us as well. But the Dutch hormone panel is, is definitely a good starting point. Couldn't agree with you more. GI map is life. I've almost gotten to the point where I'm almost recommending a GI map for every single client before they start with me. Like I'm just, I'm just about there because oftentimes we'll get going. We're like two months in and I'm like, Oh, we should have done a GI map. It'd be so good if we had a GI map, you know, like, Oh man, those things like you don't even, once you understand the dysbiotic pattern that you have in your gut, it makes everything's so much easier. Just everything, everything, hormone work, parasite work, immune system work, every single thing, skin, especially skin issues, a hundred percent GI map, like without a doubt, we're doing a GI map. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, even, you know, like I had a client that I had worked with for quite a while on hormones. We got, you know, amazing progress. And then she had this kind of like, she had a stomach bug, And then she had a really big flare up of anxiety. And I was like, "Mm, something's not right here, you know? And so we ended up, we did a GI map, found this. It actually wasn't even quote unquote high. It was on the high end of normal, but there was C. diff. And C. diff, which we know, like basically it, it inhibits the GABA neurotransmitters. And so she was not only having this really reactive, basically C. diff inflammatory response, but her body wasn't able to make GABA, which is that really calming neurotransmitter, which is why she's having this huge flare up of anxiety. So it can be extremely helpful, especially, you know, when we hit those little roadblocks where we're like, "Mm, we should be seeing progress, but we're not like, what are we missing here? Yep. Completely. Couldn't agree with you more. Now, adrenals, we haven't talked about this. Like where does cortisol and adrenal function fit in with all of this? Like how how does the health of our adrenals and the production of cortisol affect our experience with our cycle? Yeah, this is a really, really fascinating question actually because our adrenal glands actually control a fair amount when it comes to our cycle. So, and it's interesting because it's also the one area that, most of us women want to ignore, right? Which is our our stress and our lifestyle. And those basically, we don't want to have to change the hard things about our lives, which I, I fully get. I have a kid with special needs and there was a period of time where there just was literally nothing else I could do to shift the stress in my life, right? So I I get it. There are seasons like that, but our adrenal glands, they're responsible for producing DHEA, which DHEA is the most abundant circulating steroid in the body. But what's interesting is that DHEA is actually a precursor to testosterone and estrogen. So it's going to kind of make up for whatever your ovaries are not producing with DHEA, or I'm sorry. Yeah. It's going to make up for whatever your body is not producing with your ovaries. So it kind of works in biofeedback with that. But again, it's produced in the adrenal cortex, which is the outer layer of the adrenal gland. So so it actually does play a, a pretty big role, but we actually see it creating more issues in perimenopause and menopause when women are not actually taking care of their adrenal glands because our adrenal glands actually take over what the ovaries are not able to produce through menopause. 
So we need our adrenal glands to be really robust and healthy and functioning optimally, especially during those, those seasons of our life because of what our ovaries are no longer going to be doing. Does that make sense? Completely, it does. What I'm hearing you say, and I just want to reiterate this, is if your adrenals are a hot wreck before experiencing menopause, your experience through menopause is not going to be that great. Is that kind of absolutely. a fair summary? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And what we see or what, what I'm seeing is, you know, that I get a lot of women who are like, you know, I've had my, my hormones tested. My doctors put me on hormone replacement therapy, like estrogen or progesterone, you name it, tinctures, creams, pills, whatever, but nothing is touching like the brain fog, the low libido, the changes to my cognitive function. Like those are big indicators that your adrenal glands are not doing very well. And so that's, again, you know, this isn't like a plug for the Dutch test, but kind of it is, I guess, because it does show us like how well are the adrenal glands actually doing and are they converting not only at the right time of day, but in the right amounts, are they converting to the right metabolic hormones? And that will actually make the biggest difference, at least in the, the perimenopausal and menopausal women that I work with, will make the biggest difference as far as how well they will tolerate us supporting estrogen and progesterone. So what I see a lot of practitioners doing is, you know, they get the labs back and they'll be like, oh, we got to do this with your progesterone. It's too low. Your estrogen's low. Your testosterone's low. But for some reason, if we don't address the adrenal stuff first, it's almost like they're just not as responsive to the support that we can actually provide with those other reproductive hormones. So it's really fascinating. I really hope you're enjoying today's episode. I'd love to see where you're listening from. You can snap a pic and tag me at Leanne Vogel or leave a review for the show on your favorite podcast player. It helps me out tremendously. Okay, back to the good stuff. Yes. Yes. I see this so often. I onboard clients. I'm like, you're on progesterone and estrogen, but nothing with adrenals, nothing. That's not going to work. What are your thoughts? This is primarily, I'm totally asking this question for me because I don't know the answer and it just came to my mind. DHEA versus DHEAS. What are your thoughts? Because I've had so many conversations with people about this and I would just love your thoughts. Which marker do you use? Do you see them as being different? Do you prefer one over the other for certain reasons? What are your thoughts? Yeah. So I think for me, and I've actually kind of gone back and forth on this one as well. For me, I tend to stick primarily with DHEA, but I'm also looking at like what else, what is it doing in the body? So if the DHEA is off and the DHEAS is off and the androgens are off, that's going to shift everything, right? Like literally everything else, the pregnenolone, the progesterone, everything. So if they're both off, then that's a pretty big indicator that like we have some hot mess situation that we need to clean up. If the DHEA is off and the DHEAS is not off, what I'm finding is that the DHEAS in those situations is typically not as clinically significant. So I'm kind of looking at what's happening below that part in the chain of hormones. Does that make sense? Totally. It does. Yep. 
I couldn't agree with you more. See, we should be best friends. We just I get along so, so well. <laughs> this is I great. Agree. That's so great. So what are some of the ways that DGA can be increased or decreased? Like you talked a little bit about stress and adrenals, but what are the things that are affecting this primarily? Yeah. So a big one is chronic stress. Absolutely. Chronic stress is inflammation. Like we can't pretend that it's not, it does create inflammation in the body. So that's a big one. So I would say, obviously, like, do what you can to address the biggest stressors in your life. And, and I would say do it in a way that makes sense for the stressor. So for me, you know, let's just say rewind to 11 years ago. For me, that stressor was obviously the loss of my dad and some other big family stuff that was going on. Well, there is no tincture that's going to cure that. I had to actually go to therapy for that part. So do you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm just saying like there was actual work I had to do like to deal with that aspect of things. Deal with the issues in your life that are causing that chronic low level stress. Nervous system balancing is is another one. So getting out of that fight or flight as much as you can. Now there are some, you know, some amazing herbs, homeopathics, et cetera, that can help to pull us out of that fight or flight state, which I am totally on board with. And then the other thing would be adaptogenic herbs for supporting DHEA. Almost always start there to see how their symptoms respond before I actually have them supplement with DHEA. Because I want to just kind of see how receptive their adrenal glands are or how resistant they are. And that's going to kind of give me some information as far as what we're working with. Like how chronically embedded is this problem and what really is it going to take for us to see this shift? Yes, completely. Oh my goodness. I could talk with you forever about all these things, but I'm just going to cut it. I'm just going to cut it now. Where can people find more from you, your programs and your Instagram, all the places where we can find you? Yeah. Thank you so much. I know I feel like we could talk forever, so we'll just have to continue on Instagram. But yes, the best place to find me is on Instagram. Um, I do quite a bit of education on there, or at least you'll absolutely, you'll see invitations to different trainings and things like that on Instagram. And that's at Abundant Wellness with Andrea. And then that's where you'll be able to find, you know, the link in my bio to my website to either schedule a, a free breakthrough call with me or look at my other services. That's awesome. Andrea, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Oh, it was my privilege. Are you kidding me? Thank you so much, Leanne. Andrea is such a delight. I hope you agree with me. You can connect with her on Instagram at Abundant Wellness with Andrea. And again, that little freebie that she's put together for you, you can find at healthfulpursuit.com slash Andrea. Okay, I will see you back here next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keto Diet Podcast. Join us again in a couple of days to discover more Keto for Women secrets for your fat-fueled life. Music for the Keto Diet Podcast provided by Yechi. Follow Jacob on Instagram at Yechi underscore official and on Spotify as Yechi. That's Y-E-C-H-I. 
The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representations or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified physician for medical advice and always seek the advice of a qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program.